the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And in this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about Stranger Things 3. Uh, finally dropped on July 4th of this year. And uh, we finally got around to watching it. We've had a, uh, a few little things here and there that have kept us from recording right away. But that's okay, because I feel like a bunch of other people are kind of just getting caught up with it now uh, after the July 4th holidays and vacation and whatnot. Life gets in the way. It does. It does. Um but we're big fans of Stranger Things, and we wanted to talk about this third season. So let's talk about it. I don't know much about what you've thought about the show. I know we've only talked briefly about it. Like, uh, yeah. I know you were having a hard time getting into it. But overall thoughts on season three? Stranger Things making nosebleeds cool for the third season in a row. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, no, I my uh, my initial uh thought still stands for whatever reason i had a hard time getting into this season um i i think i don't really think i got into it until like the last two episodes wow um i mean there were little bits of of highlights i mean it wasn't all it didn't all drone on for me but for some reason i don't know why well i have an idea why and we'll talk about that later I just found that at the beginning of the season, I just didn't care. Hmm. It was very strange. Like, I just didn't feel connected to the characters anymore. I just didn't... I don't know. I I, I don't know why there was that disconnect for me. Um, um, I have explored that and I have tried to figure it out. And maybe that's something we will definitely talk about. But, yeah, I just had a hard time getting into it. Hmm. Yeah. See, and, and I'm I'm on the complete other side of the spectrum. I actually think this was their uh, strongest season yet. I oh, wow. I love this season. <laughs> I think uh, I yeah I think it's better than season one. I think season one had the the newness and it had the um, kind of heightened sense of emotion and had a really great ending. But this one to me, it felt a little bit more. Uh, it felt like. Mature, not in the sense that the kids are mature. Like, it feels like the show itself has kind of grown out of what mm. it was and has become this kind of really new thing. And I think, uh, the episodes are all put together really, really well. And I think some of the acting is just top notch. I mean, regardless of how Netflix does with some of their original content that they've put out there, one thing that they always seem to do really well is casting. Yeah, and the cast for the show is just incredible. So uh, yeah, I'm on the opposite side. I love the season. Yeah, I think the thing that I really, really liked about the first season, and and maybe that is part of it that what you said it's like the newness. It was like this fresh idea um, or a fresh take on, I guess, older ideas. But I thought that in the first season they captured that nostalgia of that time frame so well. Um, and they have done that successfully in season two and season three, but for season one, there was just something almost magical about it. And I think that the storytelling in season one and even season two, I thought was so much tighter than it was in season three. I had, I found myself having a hard time getting into it, getting into the plot, getting into what was happening. And by season three, it was almost like, 
okay, great. What's going on again? You know, like I just, it's not that it felt repetitive, but it was just, um, I don't know, predictable, I guess. I just didn't find it as interesting as I had before. Well, I think if I have a criticism about this season, I mean, I have a couple of criticisms of uh, some of the storytelling choices that they make. I feel like the whole kind of plot with the Russian government and kind of what they're doing is still uh, very muddy. And I think that's probably kind of their long-term thing that they're going for. Yeah. And I think that one of the the things that this show kind of struggles with sometimes is what the what the the long range story is that we're telling what is the overarching story that we're telling the what is the the why of of the why behind what why we keep coming back and i think that's something that the show kind of struggles with a little bit i also think the season relied a little too much on flashbacks at times where like a character would have a flashback and then all of a sudden we would see the flashback and you just have to rely on your audience to to know things at some point yeah so I think there are a couple of storytelling choices uh, that are a little bit, I don't know, I, I don't love, but I also think at the same time, uh, I thought this was their tightest season in terms of the way they structured, the way they kind of mapped everything out. Like the first episode I really like because we get a chance to have a little bit of normalcy like, one of the great things about this show is the world that they're inhabiting, this kind of nostalgic world that they're that they're living in. And to spend some time there with normalcy is really, really nice. Because you're kind of thrust into it in the first two seasons. Yeah, but here we true. have a little bit of normalcy, and we get to see people's everyday lives. And maybe that's why I had a hard time kind of getting into it. Because it kind of eased into this season. You know, it... it, it it was outside of its normal formula and which goes against what I just said that, you know, I found it kind of predictable, I guess, but at the same time, you want to have some sort of familiarity and I don't know. I think maybe it just eased into it a little bit too much for me. So that is what led to me having a hard time kind of getting into it. Um, I, I don't know. It just, it just didn't grab me right away. Hmm. Um, and which is strange because I, I do really like these characters. Um, although this is the characters or amount of characters is something that I kind of had an issue with this season. It's like, it was almost, it was almost too much. There was so, there are so many characters in this show to begin with, but now they've added even more. And it really felt like some of the new characters that were introduced had way more screen time, way more dialogue than ones that we've spent the last few seasons with. Yeah, and I feel like that's a conscious choice in a way because of how fast the kids are growing up. Yeah, they're still able to play these characters that are just slightly younger than they currently are, but you're stretching. Like, you're yeah. you're stretching, and you can kind of see it. Like, Will is a little bit, you know, awkward now, and, and you know, you got to give these kids some different haircuts. And so, hopefully, they, they age up the, the show characters a little bit to match what their actual actors look like now. Um because these kids are growing up very quickly and you want to you want to have to that helps maintain the realism of it. 
Yeah, and um, man, I really think Will got the shaft yet again this season. Like, he is, always seems like to be the forgotten character, even though so much of it has kind of centered around him. It's like he's yeah. just always kind of shoved off to the side. Poor guy. Well, on top of that, too, uh, I think one of the, the things that I found really interesting about this season, and it's something that it didn't really hurt my enjoyment of the show, but Mike and Lucas are unlikable. They're totally unlikable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, they don't have any redeeming qualities till the end. They're just, like, dumb young dudes. Yeah, that was one of the things I just didn't gel with. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's because I'm older I don't, I don't know because I mean, I enjoyed season one and two, but there was just something about this season that I just, I didn't care about the teen angsty stuff. And, but I, I do understand and appreciate that at the age that they are, the things that they're going through, yeah, you go through a lot of that hormonal weird stuff. Um, that's part of growing up, but for whatever reason, I just didn't care about it. And I found, for me, it kind of took away from what was going on because not every 80s teen movie, you know, dealt with those kinds of things. And um, I don't know, for some reason, it just didn't. It just didn't interest me, that whole well, I, thing. I also think it's it's probably like, like, is any 13 or 14 year old kid likable? I think they're probably all kind of awful at that age, yeah, right? You know what? You might be right. Um, Maybe that's why I didn't like this season, because I don't like that age of kids. But those two aren't very <laughs> likable, whereas no. Will, you know, Will is very likable, I think. Like, this show, in, in its three seasons, has always had kind of a breakout performer who's been really, really great. First season, it was Millie Bobby Brown. The second season, it was Noah Shap, the kid who plays Will. And, you know, he's still great. Like, he's still great. I wish they would have given him a little bit more to do. Yeah. They tease that they're... they're did you did you think that they were teasing uh, something about his sexuality? At first, I did, but I don't think that's what the intention was. I think at first I was like, "Oh, that was bold," but then I think what they were trying to show was that he wasn't growing up like the other kids were. That he wasn't at that stage of adolescence to start liking girls yet. Because the whole thing with him just wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons, he was just wanting to play games, and then, and the, his other friends didn't want to. Like they had kind of moved beyond that, and they're wanting to talk about girls. And he's right. over in the corner sitting, trying to set up their game. So at first, I thought it was something really bold, but then, like, as things went on, and then it's the whole thing later on with him putting the Dungeons & Dragons game in the donation box, stuff like that, so that's showing him moving on and growing up. So I don't think that was their intention. Hmm. See, I also refer back to stuff that, like, Will's father used to say about him in season one. And it okay. seemed like there was the same, there was like kind of like, kind of like prodding him about masculinity and, and those kind of things. Mm. And so it made me wonder if they're kind of setting us up for some uh, kind of future about, you know, some future knowledge about Will and his uh, sexual orientation. But I thought that was kind of an interesting thread that they just kind of, um, they opened and... 
I think if you, I, if it's if it's meant the way you said, then I think they resolve it. If not, I think there's probably more to it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no way for us to know, but um, I I don't I still don't think that's what their intention was because simply because they kind of went that route a little bit with the character of Robin. They did, yeah. And it would seem a little bit too forced if they were trying to do it with more than one character. I don't know. I think you can have more than one gay character on a show. Oh, you know, you totally can. But um, I don't know. I think if they were wanting... I don't know if they were wanting to have an impact or something, but stick with that with a main character. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the Robin character is a really great addition. I loved her. No, I did too. And that's kind of what I was referring to a little bit earlier, but I'm I'm a little bit torn. Um because I think the character of Robin and then the character of is it Erica? Is it um Yeah. Uh yeah, the 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 little sister. Um I thought they were the standouts of this entire season. The two of them and it was wonderful anytime they were on screen because they're on screen together. And to mm-hmm. me that almost totally eclipsed everything else in the show because I think they were so strong and that's great for them. But to me, it kind of took away from everything else. Um, so it, it made the show just so heavily weighted on one, um, portion, uh, and where it was like, okay, I just want to get to seeing them banter again. I don't care about all this stuff. I just want to get to them. But then it also makes me feel conflicted because I felt so much more attached and interested in these newer characters than I did any of the ones that we've been with the entire time. Huh. See, I I liked seeing Robin and Erica and Dustin and Steve doing their thing. I think Maya Hawk is going to be a big star. I mean, she's already got the she's already got the genetic pedigree. Seriously, and I did not realize while I was watching it, it wasn't until a couple episodes in that there was a random article that popped up on um, social media saying that she was the daughter of um, Ethan Hawke and um, Uma Thurman. And then as soon as I saw her again, I was like, oh my God, I totally see it. She's like this perfect mashup of the two of them and the way that she speaks and like the tone of her voice is totally Uma Thurman. Yeah. And now that's like I couldn't see anything else other than that. And she was yeah. fantastic. She's a great character. I really liked it a lot. I like her relationship with Steve Harrington. Uh even after we get the the reveal about her sexual orientation and and like her relationship with Steve becomes even more poignant. Yeah. In that regard because Steve Harrington is probably my favorite character on this show. I love him so much. He's just such a great. He's he has become such a great human being. Yeah, yeah, he's had a really great um, character arc, and I think he has been more fleshed out and seems, um, I don't know, he just he just seems like a more well-rounded, written character than anybody else that we've had on here. Um, See, I, I I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think he's had a, he's had a, just an awesome arc, and yeah. I think so much of. Season three, Steve Harrington is a response. It's almost fan service from season two. Mm. As a matter of fact, there's a very fan servicey line in there about him being like a mom. Oh right, yes, there was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I I I really enjoyed um, Robin, and I really really liked the way that they 
revealed her sexuality. Yeah, very well done. I loved that whole scene. I thought that was just written so well and performed really well by both um, her and Steve. I agree. I totally agree. I thought that was an excellent scene uh, with those two. Yeah. Now, I said that in the first season, Millie Bobby Brown, I thought, had the breakout acting performance. Noah Schapp in season two. For me, in season three, this might come as a little bit of a surprise. I think the breakout performance by an actor on this show was Decker Montgomery, the actor who plays Billy. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. You know, he he did a really good job with what he was given, even though I can't stand his character. I didn't like him last season, and I didn't... And I, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably his wig. I can't stand it. It's like, I want to, I want to burn it. I can't stand it. But it so fits with that time frame, though. Yeah. But I yeah. just, I can't stand the look of him. <laughs> That's so horrible. Right. Which but, is the point, though. You know, it is. Because he just, he's just gross to me. And, uh, but yeah, he did a really good job with what he was given. And he acted the fuck out of it. But he yeah, he, he, he wasn't a, a, the standout for me. I think the two standouts definitely are Robin and Erica for me. I mean, the thing I like about his performance is he is able to capture perfectly a character with inner turmoil. It reminded me of Lakeith Stanfield in Get Out. Yeah, there's a lot. It seems like there's a lot of homages to Get Out in this season. Yeah, like there's that that whole kind of like uh, like somebody's home, but somebody else is like kind of behind the wheel. That's a really yeah. weird mixed metaphor, but that's kind of what he's portraying. And he does such a great job. And there's that scene where he's like threatening Eleven and he's got tears coming out of his eyes. And it's so intense and so great. But then you see interviews with this guy in real life. And the dude has a podcast where he recites his poetry to world music. Like, he's just such a sweet and gentle seeming person. And to play that character. And I think when you're able to see that that degree in personality shift, I think that's the sign of a great, great performer. I have not, I don't think I've seen any, like, real world thing with him at all. There's a lot of great stuff on YouTube that he's done. Uh, I saw a thing recently where he goes kind of on to social media and responds to tweets about himself from a from an account that he made. Uh, but there's some really good stuff, but he just seems like such a very, like, nice and decent human being which is just such the opposite of billy uh but but as billy he's able to reach in and and dig out this intensity that i just love to watch and to me uh episode four where he has that encounter with 11 man is that good stuff i mean the, the special effects are great uh millie bobby brown of course i mean she's just great in general Love that. Love that episode. Yeah, I have to say that the other standout for me this season is definitely the effects. The effects were really, really good. I have a couple nitpicky things, a couple things I would have liked to have seen. uh, But for the most part, I thought the effects were fantastic. I, I, I totally agree. I think the effects are... You could tell that this show has grown up if in no other uh, aspect it's budget. Because yes. you see like the first 10 minutes of this thing, you're like, oh, they got a lot of money now. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I've been curious to hear your opinion on the uh, exploding rats 
that form into the mind flare and just the kind of psychotic design of that creature. I fucking loved it so much. Just the effect of these rats like exploding and liquefying. And then when they did it with people, yeah, it was so disturbing, but it was like, it's beautiful. I can't stop right. looking at it. It was so well done. I do have one complaint, though. Well, I guess two. One complaint, one suggestion. And one, like, one complaint, one personal, I don't know, thing that I think would have made it a little bit creepier and grosser. Um, not that it needed to be grosser, but I would love to see it amped up. There was the scene where Nancy and... Uh, what's his face are in the hospital and they're fighting the like editor and then the other reporter guy from the newspaper that are like invasion of the body snatchers and you see brother yeah and so um they of course liquefy and start you know oozing together and then the two of them create this monster and when the monster was created i was like that's way too much goo just to come from two people to make that thing <laughs> there needed to, there had to have been at least a third person there like there was too much there was there was too much volume right. to that monster from just two people's goo not that i know really <laughs> what two people's goo looks like but it wasn't that much and i think the thing that i think would have made it even creepier because if you really think of the human anatomy yeah a lot of us are, are a lot of what we are made up of is squishy but a lot of it can't necessarily liquefy. So I would have loved to have seen like teeth or more bone or something that would jut out and see things that maybe didn't quite liquefy. Yeah. And just to make it really show you that it's not just this blood like blob creature but it's actually made up of people yeah. like to make like it that, grosser uh, like the bear from annihilation yes exactly which is still like my favorite movie monster of the last 20 years probably i would agree i would have loved to have seen elements of that or to see it like it's not completely liquefied and there's parts that are still kind of whole like a hand or a foot or something and to see it then morph even further into this thing like it's so still in process or something i don't know i just think that would have been really disturbing and would have upped that gross factor even more they did do something like that when we see when the people are exploding and they're kind of all coming together when it starts to form as a whole mm -hmm. you can see like the rat carcasses in there yeah and it's just so gross not just when the rats explode i'm talking about when the people are exploding and the whole thing is kind of forming yeah you can see it and it's just so disgusting and awesome like it's just a twisted looking creature and i i fucking love it yeah the whole thing is is totally fucked up like i love it when there's that mob or not mob but there's a group of people and they're one by one walking up to this thing and they just they just like yeah liquefy and then you just see this like pile of clothes that's there yeah. that you know all the goo is kind of oozing out of and then the next one steps up and then it's their pile of clothes it was so it i i i, I love whatever mind this came out of i just i'm yeah. so fascinated and i i love the fact that it really taps into 
that genre of movies that were really, really popular in the 80s where it was just mm-hmm. strictly gross out factor. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's there's a lot of of that in there. There's like Invasion of the Body uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The yep. Blob, yep. uh, you know, The Thing, Day of the Dead, yeah. The Thing. Yeah, you can see all of those influences at different aspects yeah. of this movie. Same, you know, Indiana Jones and Jaws, those are still in there too, but there's a lot of that kind of like uh horror gore 80s style in there. Another thing that I did like um speaking of you know, kind of nudging into the eighties genre. I love that they had a makeover scene in the mall. Yeah. Cause it's yeah, like every eighties like movie has that. And I loved it. <laughs> I that it was that mall funny. is just, that mall is just amazing. I love that mall so much. It's such a great set. Have you been to the, have you actually been to that mall? I have not, but it's in, uh, um, it, so outside of Atlanta and Gwinnett. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. A friend of mine lives over there, was telling me all about it. Yeah, I've actually been there. Um, when I was on the North American tour of Walking with Dinosaurs, we we stayed in Gwinnett. In fact, the arena that we performed in was right around in that area. So I've been to that mall. I didn't have any recollection of it while I was watching it. Um, it was like, oh, I've been there. But it was, um, I think there was somebody had an account I saw it posted on where they were taking pictures around Atlanta where they did a lot of this filming and they were showing it was one of those things where you have like a picture of like a screen cap from the show like in a real life location and it was showing the Gwinnett Place Mall or or I think that's what it was called and I was like oh wait a minute I've totally been there. But yeah, that that mall set's great. I mean, it's it's really really cool. Yeah, and uh, of course, Steve scooping ice cream in that silly outfit that he's got on, where yeah. he looks like a, a ridiculous sailor. You know what that reminded me of? Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where Judge Reinhold's character has to wear that like ridiculous outfit because he works at like some pirate themed place or something. Yeah, there's there's um. Didn't like Better Off Dead do something like that too, where like John Cusack's character had to like wear a stupid costume or one of the movies that he's been in or something. I can't remember. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing too. Like uh, these just little homages to not necessarily any one thing in particular, but like a, um, just a genre type, you know, like with the makeover thing and you know, whatever it's, I love it. If you count the fast times one for Steve's outfit, there's also two more fast times at Ridgemont high references when, uh, Billy comes out as a lifeguard to moving in stereo. Uh, that's out of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, and then there is another one in there, too, an actual reference to Fast Times at Ridgemont High when uh, Steve knocks over the standee talking about that movie. Right. There's a lot of that stuff in there. And speaking of that makeover scene, Max is one hell of a friend, isn't she? Hell yeah, she is. Although I do... I don't know. I I had a hard time with her character this season because it almost felt like it almost felt like they didn't know what to do with her. Although they they seem to know more what to do with her than they did like Will, for example. Um, I don't know. To me, she was just kind of generic. Like she didn't stand out to me. She had a lot to do in the season, but it was just kind of like oh, she's just the the sidekick for. L okay, but I think she's what she's what Eleven needed. No, she was. She needed a friend. Yeah. She needed a friend because, like, like I don't know. It, Mike has always been a love interest 
to her, right? Yeah. And the other guys have been more Mike's friends. Yeah. Like, she needed somebody who was going to be a friend to her, and I think that Max was really great there. Yeah. No, and just the, the way Max treats her is very kind, too. There's, like, a, a great little, a great kindness when she helps her wipe her nose, you know, when she's got the blood coming out of it. You know, just those little kindnesses, I think, were really great touches. I did like the fact that she really did stand up for Elle a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, she yeah. was, she was kind of like the voice that Elle didn't have. Well, and I think, yeah, I, I think that's totally right. And I think one of the things that I loved about this season is that in the first two seasons, it has been about, um, you know, Eleven, somebody who has been um, abused and discarded and trying to kind of find her own level of humanity and having to use her power to save everybody else. And this season, we get moments where she's heroic and she saves people and she, you know, she always kind of does some badass thing, you know, and it's it's great. But the main resolution of this comes from people having to save her. Yeah. And I really like that idea. Yeah. Like, even, you know, when, when Billy kind of has his redemptive moment that's very Return of the Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that was really well done, you know, because he's acting out of, like, kind of a a kindness that that comes to him that she helped show him and so it's like the residual impact of who she is and the impact that she's had on other people now being the thing that inevitably saves her because it motivates those people to help yeah oh i like that that's good insight yeah that's real i mean that's really great storytelling it's 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 a good twist on how they've presented it in the last couple of seasons um, let's talk about Hopper, because yeah. Hopper is the least dead person I've ever seen since Jon Snow. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I I was really frustrated at first, because I was like, wow, that was really unceremonious. You know, um, freaking Bob last season had more of a, a epic going out than Hopper did. I was like, you know what? This is his character that we've had for these last three seasons. He's been the main father figure for Elle and like just one of the backbones of this. And I'm like, and that's what it is. I'm like, no, this, that's not happening. Well, they gave it away at at three different points. Yeah. Uh, One in the post credits, of course, that everybody saw where they refer to the American in the prison cell. Right. Uh, that's fine. Another one, if you look closely, he's clearly not standing on that platform when it explodes. Not Correct. sure why they, they felt the need to include that scene. Uh, but my favorite clue is the one that they just should have left it with. And that is the use of Peter Gabriel's cover of David Bowie's Heroes, uh, which plays kind of, you know, throughout that one of those final scenes there as Eleven is reading the note that Hopper wrote to her. And, you know, you see everybody packing up to leave. They're playing that cover of Heroes, which has been used in the show before. And it was used in an episode where we are led to believe that Will Byers is dead. So that song itself is a symbol of false death in the show. Yeah. So they used it again. And had they just left it there, that would have been fine. But as soon as I heard that song, I was like, I see what you're doing. Mm. You will not fool me with this fake Jon Snow style death. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I think if, if he's actually dead, which I don't think, I'm going to be really upset about it, 
not because necessarily that they killed him. Oh, I mean, that's part of it because I, I love his character, but because that is just so an un, just unceremonious way to go. Not necessarily the way to go, but it was like they didn't they didn't make a big deal of it, you know. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, well, I don't know. The whole final few minutes is is super emotional with Eleven reading that letter. It's actually really well done. That was, but not the scene where he supposedly died. Yeah. Like, obviously, there would have been a funeral for him and, you know, at some sort of town thing. They would have Tony Starked it. Yeah. Yeah. There would have been (laughs) there would have been a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. Did you notice that Hopper in this season is ramped up just a little bit? What do you mean? Like, he's he's kind of... He, like, the dial is always kind of up around 10. Hmm. He's not, he's not like, as mellow as he has been in the past. Yeah, and I think that is... I think that's a, a choice that they made because he's now kind of a father of a teenage girl and he has this kind of will will they won't they kind of chemistry with Joyce Byers. Yeah. I think he's off his game and I think his character is written to reflect that. Yeah. I thought that was a great choice too. His his uh anxiety is just kind of ramped up a little bit. Yeah, he's he's trying. He tried so much to have her come and meet him and she's just she's just not focused enough she's yeah. her mind is all over the place and i i love i, I love the comparisons of him with like magnum pi i freaking yes. loved it yeah the, the the silly shirts and stuff like that oh, yeah. i thought that was great totally uh winona rider as joyce byers love her she's just she's great she always stresses me out she just plays this neurotic character so well that I just always feel on edge anytime that she's on screen. She just makes me nervous. Yeah, she has an intensity to her, and uh, I love that. I think one of the things that I I wish that we would have seen that season four seems to promise, uh, I love the chemistry that she has with Eleven. Yeah. And so I like seeing this, the kind of sweetness of their relationship. Uh, and we didn't get to see that this year until the, until the very, very end. Uh, so I, I was kind of hoping to get more of that and, uh, hopefully they explore that in the, in the fourth season as well. Yeah. Cause that was, that was one of my favorite parts with season one was that, mm-hmm. um, connection between her and Eleven. Uh, yeah, only got a, a little snippet of it, but I was really happy to see that Eleven went with them. I mean, I don't, that's just natural. I don't know who else she would have gone with. Yeah. So. Another thing that I wanted to point to as far as a couple of really great little details that I love, um, some of them involve that kind of invasion of the body snatchers type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's that episode, The Case of the Missing Lifeguard, where Max and Eleven go to the lifeguard's house. Yeah. And her parents are there with Billy. One of the great little details is that Billy and this and this girl, Heather, they're not quite right. Yeah. And a really cool detail is if you look at Billy... Uh, half of his shirt is tucked in and half of it isn't. Okay. So it just kind of symbolizes that he's a little bit off kilter. And they do something like that again when um, Nancy and Jonathan are called into the editor's office. There's that thing where he kind of kicks the desk and the camera shot adjusts about like 30 degrees. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and it just leads you to know that something is off. Yeah. And I love that. And it stays that way for the rest of the scene. You kind of, like, end in this kind of, like, 
sort of a Dutch angle shot. Yeah, I thought they did a lot of interesting uh, camera shots and things that they hadn't done before. That was one of them. But then there was another one where... um, And I thought this scene was really intense, too, where they had the confrontation with the... uh, mind flayer like blobby thing and part of it was in l's leg yeah i thought that scene was really really intense and i mean as far as special effects go that was done really really well and it was so gross and it it did keep me on the edge of my seat um but when that little piece that's in her like comes out and it starts slinking on the floor and then hopper like steps on it and it splashes on the on the camera lens yeah i kind of liked that yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah. And it lets you know that the whole gang is together again, even for just kind of a short time. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's a lot of fun to watch uh, when they get to those moments. There's some other foreshadowing in there, like when Erica discovers a cage that is roughly the size of a Demogorgon. Yeah. Which uh, kind of puts you into a, a, a clue about what's going to happen in that final scene there. Yep. All those little clues and hints, there's quite a few of them if you go back and, and you watch them all. And again, just, you know, so many Easter eggs in there, um, you know, just lots of really, really cool little details. I thought they've done a really good job with getting the subtle details of this show right. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in this. I think there's a lot of good nuggets. There's a lot of really good moments in it. Um you know, with my overall um, opinion aside of me having a hard time getting into it, I still enjoyed it. It took me a while to get there. Um, I just had a hard time connecting with what was happening. I had a hard time understanding like that whole Russia thing. And I still don't yeah. think that that was fleshed out enough. And and maybe that's their intent because obviously we're going to get more of that next season. But give me a little something because we're in this season now. Yeah. You know, at least give me a clue as to what the motivation is or what is it that they are trying to accomplish um, so that I can follow along and really sense the, the um, urgency or whatever it is that's happening. Um, You know, fill me in on it a little bit. Uh, so I think that's part of the reason why I had a hard time getting into it. It was that, and I had a hard time connecting with some of the characters. It wasn't until the last quarter or so of the season where I was like, okay, here we go. This feels more familiar. I'm more interested in now. Um, so yeah, I I had a hard time getting into it, but overall I still enjoyed it. It's not my favorite season, uh, but I still think it's better than a lot of stuff that's out there. Um, I, I also want to point out too that, oh, and I totally agree that yeah, even even when they're not at their best, they're still really good. Yeah. Uh, but again, like I, this is my favorite of the seasons, and one of the reasons why is how do you not love the idea that in order to get uh, a combination <laughs> that is going to help save the world, Dustin and his girlfriend have to sing the song from the Neverending Story. That was one of the most adorable duets ever. It's so funny because, like, it's almost like the show is poking fun at itself. You know, you see them in a car and you see the mind flayers chasing them in the car and, like, they're singing the song from the never-ending story. Hopper's just sitting there with this look on his face. 
it, I, it's it's what this show is, I think, in its at in its essence, in one little moment. Yeah. And I definitely hope we see more of Susie. I do too. She was adorable, and I wish yeah. we would have had more of her. Although I understand why we didn't. You have to save her till the very end. But I thought, I thought she was adorable. I would love to see her and Dustin like actually together, not yeah. just over the radio. So, do you think season four they're just going to go back to the season one villain? <sighs> you know, I don't know. I have no idea what what they're going to do. Or is it just going to... I guess it's a season one villain, but as perpetrated by the Russians? Maybe. I was wondering if they'll go the route of, well, if this is what the Americans were trying to do, maybe the Russians were trying to do the same thing. So it stands to reason that if the Americans were experimenting with kids that have telekinetic powers, that maybe the Russians were too, and maybe that they'll introduce kind of a a human villain for Eleven in season four along alongside of the season one Demogorgon. Oh, which act, you just saying that just reminded me of something. You know something that I was hoping to get in this season that we didn't, and it wasn't even mentioned, was the kind of mentor that Elle had last season. The, the other kid that Elle met up with, what was she, seven? Or I don't remember what her number was. Right, seven eleven. Right. that'd be funny. Um, I was hoping that maybe we would hear from her or see her or something at some point. And then it was just nothing. She didn't exist anymore. Well, it seems like this, the fourth season is going to expand the show outside of Hawkins. I think maybe then it would be interesting if they do like a, a Avengers Endgame. You know, here's all these kids that have had these mind, you know, these powers. They all come together to defeat the foe. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I mean, I think they did a pretty good job with the uh, uh, Carrie Elwes uh, mayor who just wants to make Hawkins great again, who just happens to be secretly working with the Russians to undermine everything that's going on in the place that he lives. Not sure where they got that story from. Well, you know what freaked me out, though, with that is that his name is my dad's name, and that freaked me out a lot. I didn't like that. Oh, that's right. I that's funny. I did not like that. I mean, I mean yeah, I didn't like that at all, because my, <laughs> my dad has passed away a few years ago, and that whole thing came on, and I hear the name, and I was just like, stop it. I can't. I can't do this. <laughs> but yeah, his character definitely had some... Uh, some, I think, real-life inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, imagine that. Oh, man. Well, if uh, if life imitates art, we're screwed. No, we gotta find our L. We need our Hopper. <laughs> we need a Hopper, we need an L stat. And let's just get together and sing the never-ending story, and then everything will be fine. Wouldn't that be great yeah. if, like, at the 2020 presidential debate, <laughs> like, things are going down and... They just have to start singing that song. I will I will sing it from the top of my lungs. I, I do hope that in season four they age up the characters a little bit. Uh and because they, they have to kind of mature them. Like they're just they're growing up so quickly. Like Noah Shap is like eight feet tall now. Yeah. And like and like Millie Bobby Brown, like they have to give her some more dialogue. She's still a little too monosyllabic. 
Yeah, she she did seem to speak a little bit more, but you would think that I don't know. Being around I don't I don't know necessarily what the time frame is or how much time I think they said how much time has passed, but you would think with her being around kids so much more and Hopper and watching TV and whatever that she would I don't know, be able to speak a little bit better. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it was like six months. It's not a whole lot of time in the past. Yeah. So they're going to have to address that. I thought also thought it was really funny that when um, Eleven and Max go to get those like glamour shot things done. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, oh, okay, so here's Millie Bobby Brown, the one with like professional modeling experience now, just, you know, with the hair flip and all the other things that they learn how to do. But that's so 80s movie, too. I love that. Right, but she's like a she's like a ringer, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, she's yeah. like somebody who's like a professional, you know, doing it, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's. Uh, I also kind of wish they would make a young Leia movie and put her in it because she kind of looks very similar to young Carrie Fisher right now. Yeah, I would like, agree. Make that movie, but it's going to be too late soon. But she's she's also a super talented person. Like I watch Stranger Things, and I think to myself, man. This kid is going to be famous probably for the next 25 years. Yeah. And for some and reason, some. all of the kids can sing. Yeah, they can all sing. They're all talented. There's a lot of talent. They have a deep bench yeah. of talent on that show. Uh, but again, for me, it's Decker Montgomery who stole stole the season for me. Yeah. All right. So any other thoughts on Stranger Things 3? No, not really. I think we really covered it. We, um, I think we did a very thorough job. We did. We usually do. All right. So you guys have heard our thoughts. We'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at Nerdflix Chill. You can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, And if you're listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. Greatly appreciate that. You can also check out all of our new episodes at lrmonline.com. And while you're there, check out the network of podcasts that you can find. Lots of great stuff to check out. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, may the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors.